Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast for the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to share with us. You're either listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Prime, or you're viewing us on YouTube, and we're very grateful for you taking the time to share with us today. We always want to encourage you to reach out to us. You can uh, contact me at fredjeffsmith at gmail.com fredjeffsmith at gmail.com. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, how we can do this better. I'm very happy today to uh, welcome uh, uh, Mr. Dadrius Lannis uh, to the podcast. Uh, this is not Mr. Lannis's first time being with us. Uh, Mr. Lannis serves as uh, the president of 100 Black Men of Greater Baton Rouge. He also serves as the president of the East Baton Rouge Parish uh, School Board. And it's in that school board capacity, Mr. Landis, that I have some, some, some questions and some <laughs> yes, concerns sir. for you. Uh, last week, it, it came out that uh, our school board superintendent, uh, Cito Narcisse, uh, was uh, interested in a job in Broward County, Florida, which I understand is, uh, I believe, the sixth largest uh, public school board uh, system in the country, second largest in Florida. Uh, And uh, as this is being recorded, it came out this morning that he uh, has made uh, the final three in that cut. So what does that say to you as president of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board about uh, what we're looking at over the next uh, coming days and perhaps weeks? Well, first, thank you, Pastor, for always having me on, always being... uh a good uh, foot soldier and making sure that our community has everything that it needs to be equipped for these types of decisions and also these kind of conversations, right? It means a lot uh, to be able to discuss this in a, a way that lets our people know that uh, we have our own backs, if that makes any sense. Uh, what, jumping right into the question, uh, what does it mean for me? It says that uh, you're a young man with a lot on your plate right now, right? So. Uh, but I don't take that with a grain of salt. I mm-hmm. signed up for this work, and uh, I couldn't think of a better place I want to be right now than to help our school system, school system uh, navigate this space. Um, what I've been telling everybody and telling the community is, is that whether uh, superintendent is here or not, at the end of the day, the work that happens inside of this district has to be top priority. That's been the main thing that I've been concerned with. You know, I know there's been a lot of talks of the superintendent leaving. There's been a lot of talks about, you know, what does it look like in terms of a contract? The only thing that I'm concerned with right now is the 6,000 employees that EBR employs Mm -hmm. and making sure that they got a job uh, going into next year. Also, the 41,000 students plus that we have to serve every single day before the start of the next school year. So this budget is everything that's been on my plate. Uh, Obviously, I would never tell a man, uh, you know, where your heart desires, you go to that place. The only thing that I can say is, is that I was caught off guard a bit because we were still working through the budget, and I thought that it would have been better for us to at least get through our budget before these types of conversations and discussions happen. So I would say uh, I was a bit perplexed with that part. Um, but at the end of the day, whatever happens, we got to make sure that our people inside of our school system are readily equipped and ready to go at the end of the day. So that's been my primary concern. Help me with this. Um, mm-hmm. I understand that uh, the superintendent did request 
uh, a raise at the start of the year. Mm -hmm. Is, am I correct That's on that? That's correct. Uh, and the board uh, said at that time that they weren't ready to extend mm -hmm. such a raise. Do you think that had anything to do with where we are at this moment? Um, I would say no. In my, from, my, from my viewpoint, right, uh, I think if you're a good leader, you give your board enough time to understand who you are as a leader. Give them enough time to see your work. At the time that that uh, when that item was placed on the agenda, the problem was that we had six brand new board members that had never been inside of an elected space before. Mm -hmm. And the current board that had given him his, uh, his performance uh, evaluation, uh, while it was thorough, while it was uh, good remarks, again, you're talking about a new board that has to see how you work. This is a new set of bosses, as I would say, because that's essentially what the school board represents, mm -hmm. as the bosses for... Uh, for our superintendent. So at the time, you know, I, I, I told him that uh, if it was me, I wouldn't do it. I said, because if you did, uh, what's going to happen is, one, you don't want it to get voted down, because if it gets voted down, you have to wait 60 days to bring it back. But also think about the impact of the way people will perceive that, that they will look at that like the board doesn't have confidence in you to give you a board extension or contract, which mm -hmm. at that time, that just wasn't the case. People wanted to know that we were putting our best foot forward. And at that time, the, what I asked for was, give us enough time to at least get through our budget. Let's bring it back up in May. Well. What happened in May was that we put it back on the agenda and the superintendent asked that it be taken off for whatever reason, right? So I just want the community to understand and, under, and know that it was not the board's place to say that we didn't believe in you, that we don't want you here, but our priority was our budget. Because at the end of the day, there's two things that a, that a school board member in Louisiana has to do, hire and fire a superintendent and pass a balanced budget. At the time, we had already hired a superintendent, so mm -hmm. you know the contract wasn't up until a year from now, so it would have been, it'll be up next June. Uh, so there wasn't, a, a lot of board members felt like it wasn't a whole lot of time that we had to just jump on getting to that. Let's at least work through the budget. Because we, we had to make sure that we had a, a balanced budget approved right now, and we're still digging through this thing. We're not done yet. We have until September as our absolute deadline to get through our budget, and I'm very confident that we will, but that's our priority right now, and it has been our priority. Tell me what it is from a, from a more theoretical uh, standpoint, or I guess pragmatic standpoint. What is it about the job of superintendent, not just here in East mm -hmm. Baton Parish, but the job in general, mm -hmm. that people don't stay long? I'm 61 years mm -hmm. old, and there have been at least a dozen yep. superintendents for East Baton Rouge Parish schools. Now, mm -hmm. at, at one point, I understood that because we were under a consent decree, mm -hmm. uh, superintendents did not feel like they had the latitude to do certain mm -hmm. things that they wanted to do. But we've been out from under the consent decree for mm -hmm. some time. It just doesn't seem like a job where people stay mm -hmm. for a long period of time. You're mm -hmm. here for two years you're, and, and you're gone someplace mm -hmm. else. Three years and you're gone mm -hmm. someplace else. What is it about that job mm -hmm. that, that causes such turnover? Well, I say it's, it's an interesting, that's an interesting question, right? Uh, I think typically what happens is that people get into superintendencies uh, later in their career, after they've already been a principal, after they've already worked inside of a central office uh, system, they, they have a better understanding, a thorough understanding of the way that the school system should work. So because of that, they're almost at retirement age. I think that's one part. Uh, the second part of it is I think uh, people look at these positions like it's launching pads. you got to remember, East Baton Rouge Parish at one point was the largest school district in the state mm -hmm. until Zachary Central and, Break and Baker broke away. Uh, right now we're the second largest in the side of the state, but we still control a lot of the movement in terms of educational uh, uh, items, educational uh, educational priorities for the state of Louisiana in terms of legislature, the way they pass and approve things, the way Bessie uh, move policy. They always come to EBR first because we're the capital city. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
for a lot of people, again, it looks like a, a good lunching pad. You come here, you work inside of a city like East Baton Rouge Parish. They also look at the fact that it's, you know, it's politically enthralled. So, you know, if you can withstand that, those types of things, then you can propel and ultimately see yourself going to another place. And that's not just in, like, I think I think you worded it very right, uh, very wisely. It's not just East Baton Rouge Parish. Mm-hmm. We see the same thing happen in neighboring districts, right? Like we saw with Jefferson Parish, our current state superintendent came from Jefferson Parish. Right. Uh, with the person that was our uh, state superintendent before him, he was named to be the U.S. Secretary of Education. Mm-hmm. He was on a short list, you know. So these things are just looked at, looked upon like launching pads uh, in terms of making your career go to another level or to another place, another space. Well, let me ask a, mm-hmm. a, a, a second theoretical question. Yes, sir. Assuming that Superintendent Narcisse uh, is selected mm-hmm. to go, uh, to, to go to Broward County, and the board is then thrust into the position of finding a replacement mm-hmm. for that. What is the logic from your standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be personal or as in your role as president of the mm-hmm. board, what is the logic for looking outside of the parish mm-hmm. as opposed to looking within? Mm-hmm. I don't see where, and, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, oh, go ahead. I don't see where we've done any better Mm-hmm. or any worse by picking from outside than we have done uh, when we picked on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the guy who, who was there before uh, uh, Narcisse, mm-hmm. uh, but he came essentially from within, came right. from came from Baker uh, 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 School District. But I happen to think that Charlotte Plessy was one of the best uh, school board superintendents that we have ever Absolutely. had, and she was ingrown. What is this desire on the part of some people, and mm-hmm. I don't know this new board, mm-hmm. uh, to, to to do this national mm-hmm. search to pull in somebody who doesn't know Louisiana, mm-hmm. doesn't know Baton Rouge, doesn't mm-hmm. know the, all the things that you just named about the mm-hmm. politics and all yep. the They don't know that, and it takes us a, a, a degree of time to get acclimated to that. True. And before they can get acclimated, they're already looking for their next venture. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Does it seem to you like the job should go to someone who's homegrown as opposed to outside? So, man, you got some good questions today. (laughs) Uh, Didn't expect anything differently. But uh, what I would say is that I think with the last board, that was a push to go out to go full external because we wanted to try to get someone who had best practices that had been battle tested around the country, who can bring in new ideas, who could be innovative and uh, bring just a new energy to our board. what I will say is, though, is is that if this situation doesn't work and the superintendent does, in fact, take the Broward job if they, if they select him or if they choose to go with him, um, I don't think, I don't foresee us going through a process where it's going to be national. I don't even see us going through a process where it's going to be regional inside of the state, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, inside of the state of Louisiana. I do think that we have people here who have the propensity to do the work, the capacity to do the work, the wherewithal to get us to where we need to go. And I think we need, right now, what our district needs is a stabilizer. I don't think, you know, we, we did the big, thoughtful, big idea. You know, we, we did the, the big personality type of situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, regardless of if he's here or not, I think the foundation is built. Now we just need a stabilizer to make sure that we can continue moving the work the way that we need to. And uh, that's what I'm going to push for. I want us to do a, a local search. It won't be anything extravagant. I think we have some qualified, uh, highly qualified, let me say that, people here mm-hmm. who have the heart for it, who want to be here, who are vested inside of our community. And I think that's what our community needs right now. And I've been hearing the, the community's concern, and I just want them to know that yeah, we're going to we, we're listening to you, we hear you, and we're going to follow up on that. Good. Um, 
what do you think of the new board? You, mm. wh- the last time I went to a board meeting, uh, it was majority white, mm. majority Republican, mm. uh, and they didn't seem to care too much about what I was there for. Mm. And I was there when we were talking about redistricting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they patiently let the community talk, and then they quickly had a motion in a second, and they voted the way that they wanted mm-hmm. to vote, and it, and it was done. <sighs> Tell me about the new board. Mm-hmm. Uh what, what what are your thoughts about it? It's now majority black. Mm-hmm. It's now majority Democrat. Mm-hmm. So there's been a complete turnover. Yep. Are you comfortable with, happy with what you have seen thus far? And I know it's still fairly early, but but are, are you happy with what you've seen? Yeah, it's still fairly early. But what I would say, I, I'm I'm thrilled with what I've seen. You know, they're not afraid to ask questions. They're not just rubber stamping things. Uh, you know, they really want to be invested and involved in what they see happen inside of the school system. And uh, I think their hearts are in the right place. So I can say that with this board, this new board, uh, I think their hearts are in the right place. I think they're on the right track to see that our system stays on this uh, this, this traction of progression. And I, I like where we are going right now. I can honestly say that. Is there still going to be the same level of, of push for charter schools uh, as opposed to what I would call more traditional uh, uh, school mm-hmm. uh, uh, settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I can read, and for the third time I say, please mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, sir. Uh, charter schools in East Baton Rouge Parish have not fared as well mm-hmm. as perhaps they have done in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. Everybody touts the charter schools. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to go to charters, 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 mm-hmm. charters. But when I look at the numbers uh, here, the, the numbers are not astoundingly better if, mm-hmm. if, if, if anything, they're worse. Mm-hmm. So why is there this continued push toward charter schools, and will that continue uh, as you go through the process of, of, of selecting a, a new superintendent? So I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's a real, how it was in recent years, I don't think it's a true push for charter schools in East Baton Rouge Parish. This is the problem that we're running into. Um, one, the State Department does not have strong guidelines like East Baton Rouge Parish does. In fact, we have the strongest charter accountability guidelines uh, that we approved about two and a half years ago mm-hmm. uh, that's stronger than the state. And because of this, that means that we can't rubber stamp schools. If you don't have at least a C average or you don't meet our minimum requirements, then we don't have to legally uh, approve you. But the problem is this. Every single charter school that comes through East Baton Rouge Parish School System has an independent evaluator that is selected by both and uh, selected and agreed upon by both the state as well as uh, our local school system. And when that happens, when they give all the checks, even if we vote no, that school can then or that charter group can then go to the state and go get approved. And they and when that happens, we have no input on what their uh, charter accountability should look like. We have no input on. on um, uh, things like the, the day-to-day and, and so Mr. Being Brumley and Bessie can veto what the East Baton Rouge Parish. Oh, they've been doing it for does. years, and I just want to say him, but that's what that's what has has historically I'll happened. Call his name, <laughs> Cade Brumley, uh, 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 the, the 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 head of the Bessie mm-hmm. board. Uh, they they can veto what the what, what the parish school system Absolutely. votes for. Absolutely, and it's happened time and time again. I say again and again. In the parish itself, we have over 30 charter schools, mm-hmm. but East Baton Rouge Parish, the school system only manages like 12 of them. So majority of the charter schools you're talking about, they're not even managed by our local school system. But because they are being approved by Bessie and because they are in our local area, mm-hmm. they still take MFP dollars away from our students. And that's something that we just simply can't control. 
so they can take money from mm -hmm. traditional neighborhood type schools mm -hmm. and yet the school board that has been voted on by the people mm -hmm. in the parish can't supervise what goes on within those schools. That's correct. And that seems right to the public. I don't think it seems right to the public. I don't think it seems right to our school district. But honestly, that's just the reality of where we are right now. And the only way we change that is you would have to bring it to the legislature. And as you know right now, that's not a high probability that if we brought a bill like that of that kind that is going to be approved. What happens if it's brought to a measure before the people in a vote? Or is that possible? It, it is possible. It, it has to go through the legislature. Absolutely. So the, there you go. Exactly. Okay. okay. Uh, let me ask you a couple other, mm -hmm. other questions. Uh, Mr. Brumley, Cade mm -hmm. Brumley, <laughs> Bessie Board, uh, made a statement a couple months back mm -hmm. uh, regarding CRT, mm -hmm. uh, critical race theory. Yep. There is no such thing as critical race theory being taught anywhere in the state of Louisiana in a mm -hmm. secondary school, to my knowledge. So I'm asking you, as uh, East Baton Parish School Board President, mm -hmm. Your thoughts, you're not Mr. Brumley, mm. but your thoughts as to why Mr. Brumley thought it was necessary to make these public pronouncements that made the newspaper that uh, Louisiana schools would not mm. uh, teach CRT when they were never teaching CRT right. in the first place. Mm. I mean, what do you think is going on with that? That's a hard <laughs> question to ask. The only thing I can say is it's political. Obviously, it's, it's in political nature. You see a lot of this happening with a lot of your southern states is that they're trying to get away from this term, uh, CRT, critical race theory. Uh, by the way, and I'm somebody who was a history major, more specifically black history, as was my uh, content area. Uh, I taught history uh, for a course of, what, six years as an as a educator, like a true educator on the ground inside mm -hmm. of a classroom. So, you know, whether you want to name it CRT, I think that it, that's a politically uh, uh, fueled uh, term now, is CRT, critical race theory. I think the way we get back to where we need to be is talk about uh, culturally relevance inside of classrooms. This is something that has been taught by every historic, historian in the country, every uh, educational expert. It literally is the same thing. You're talking about uh, people who are going to be culturally competent to deal with students who they historically have never dealt with before. Uh, I just don't understand how you could put somebody inside of a classroom that don't understand the culture of the kids who they're trying to teach. Mm -hmm. You're going to continue to miss the needle every single time. Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, I wrote a paper on this. It's called uh, Hip Hop Education, Teaching Others to Teach Us. And I got this 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 thought to break this paper from um, Dr. Lisa Delpit, who made this book. It's, it's called, uh, what's the name of the book? Uh, Multiplication is for white people, and I think I would I would ask and charge everybody to please go and order this book and read it because while people try to again uh, they try to politicize what critical race theory is, the whole idea of it is to talk about things that you traditionally don't talk about inside of school so that people know how they identify inside of those spaces. Mm -hmm. It's no different from no difference from uh, culturally relevant teaching, mm -hmm. and that's what is being pushed inside of our classrooms each and every single day is culturally relevant teaching, understanding the culture of the kids or population that you're teaching. A couple of, uh, of issues that mm -hmm. surround the school yes, system. There's a push, I, I think it's a reality now, that Capitol High School is going to come back under uh, parish control. Yes, sir. Uh, is it coming back as a regular high school mm -hmm. or as a uh, charter 
No, it will not be a charter school. It'll be a uh, what we call a focus choice school, where they can specifically focus on um, uh, workforce development. That's something we know they've been lacking inside of that area of town. Um, we're also trying to get the, the school completely uh, rebuilt or renovated so that it can match and mimic what we see happening over at Park Medical Academy. Uh, anybody knows uh, Old Park Elementary, what we found over the course of the last four years was the school was so stagnant that we didn't know what we were going to do to be able to put them in the right direction. Uh, but since we added a focus choice component to it, which was medical, um, not only has that school improved, it has been our highest jump in any of our schools over the course of the last two years. School went from a 29F now to a C. And that has just been Excellent. a tremendous, right, it's, been, it's just been tremendous. And the students love what is happening there. Uh, I don't know if anybody's actually seen the building, but it's the only building we have right now that's built like a pod. Mm -hmm. Basically, as you walk through the halls, you can, every classroom is made out of glass. You can see what's happening inside of the classroom at all times, see how students are being engaged, see how they're learning on an everyday basis. And then, I mean, for the most part, people are just bought into it. And that's a lot of what we want to uh, bring over uh, to Capitol High School. Is there money to do that kind of yes. construction? Mm -hmm. that Excellent. Um, St. George, mm -hmm. it's still hanging over the heads mm -hmm. of people in this parish. Mm -hmm. I know it's still in litigation and there's an appeals process going forth. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, should the St. George proponents be successful in getting their independent school system, mm -hmm. what would that do to the East Baton Rouge Parish? Uh, it'd be detrimental if you're not ready and uh, prepared for what is to come. I think that for us, we are ready and prepared for what is to come. I think we follow the same uh, uh, playbook that then Mayor President Kip Holden did, where he annexed in any properties that should be a part of our uh, East Baton Rouge, mm -hmm. uh, East Baton Rouge Parish itself. Uh, I think that's we're going to do the same thing. I think when you see school properties that exist outside of our lines and that extend over into that southeastern portion of the parish, I think that those schools will be annexed in. And I think they should be annexed in for several reasons. One, because the entire taxpayer base for East Baton Rouge Parish paid for those schools. So I think it's wrong to say that you can come in and take something that does not rightfully belong to you, where you can stifle off and say, well, all students can't attend, just our students can attend, mm -hmm. right? So I think that we're going to prepare ourselves and, and uh, to to uh, put ourselves in a position to make sure that we don't lose investments that we have uh, put out there and, and had in the past. We want to make sure we be able to keep those investments for all of our kids. But so I think that what that does is it places them at a disadvantage because now you got to come up with a new funding source for how you're going to rebuild and come up with new schools. Um, you still got to figure out how you're going to pay for your uh, your elected officials, such as your mayor. How you're going to pay for your funding for your police department, your fire department. There's a lot of things that are hanging out there. And I think what you'd be surprised to know is that people with money that actually live in St. George, majority of them don't want that to happen because they don't want taxes to go up. Yeah. Right? There's so several members of this church who feel exactly, right, exactly the same way. And that's just the people who, you know, who are just members of the church. But you have people with a lot of money and a lot of know-how and say-so that have said, we do not want this to happen. It is a bad idea. And we're talking about billionaires that live in the state of Louisiana mm -hmm. that live within that region mm -hmm. that do not want to see this thing happen. And they are willing to put their resources up to see that it doesn't happen. Should it happen, mm -hmm. and, and, and again, I'm speaking in hypotheticals, uh, would we pursue a path to force the new school district to purchase Woodlawn High School, Woodlawn Middle School, Woodlawn Elementary School? I think so. Southeast uh, 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 Elementary School? I think so. Good. I think so, for sure. Uh, because that well, didn't happen it. with Zachary. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen with Baker. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen with Central. Mm -hmm. they, they, they formed a system, mm -hmm. and we just gave them the school mm -hmm. systems 
of the facilities mm -hmm. gratis. Yep. And so I'm I'm very happy to hear that we would take a different approach. Absolutely. But uh, I think I, I hope those people understand it does not come with a cheap tag. You know, let's just take Woodlawn. Woodlawn to rebuild Woodlawn a few years ago, thirty five million. Mm -hmm. That's just to rebuild. So, you know, now that the assets are inside of the building, now that uh, you got the entire acreage of the school, when you encompass that, mm -hmm. that's a lot of money. And then all of those houses have just been built on that side of town. So right. property value has shot up on that side of town. So it's not going to be a cheap uh, a cheap price tag in order to buy those those types of uh, facilities. Mm -hmm. um, should Superintendent Narcisse not be selected? Mm -hmm. uh, from your standpoint, what does that do to his credibility, administrative authority, uh, uh, his ability to properly maneuver and supervise uh, East Baton Rouge Parish School System? So that's a good question. I think I answer that in two different ways. One, I answer from the board president perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody who's been on the board now for five years, and since my time being here, we've, we've, he's now a fourth superintendent, whether it's been interim or whether it's been long-term. Mm -hmm. um, I think it could be seen as problematic for us to put ourselves in another position where we have to go out and find somebody to start off from scratch. If, in fact, that does happen. Again, this is just my board president perspective mm -hmm. uh, that I'm giving you right now. Uh, that would have meant that from since Warren Drake left us three and a half years ago, that we would have gone through him uh, Leslie Brown, who didn't stay long. Then we had Adam Smith as an interim, and then we brought on Superintendent Um uh, I think it'll be problematic for us because of uh, where we are in terms of, of uh, programming inside of schools, the things that we did, we've been able to accomplish and bring on to our system over the course of the last uh, two and a half years. I think some of those things could be seen as detrimental. Not that we couldn't get through it or work through it, but I think it could be detrimental. And just the uh, appeal or approach of what it looks like for our school district as a whole, right? Now, on the other hand, uh, the public perceives this totally differently, right? Because they don't see it at a 30,000-foot view. What they see is, is you know, what the, what the way they're going to look at it is somebody who was not from Baton Rouge. They felt like... Um, Anywhere he's went before, it's been kind of a, almost like a common pattern, you know. And a lot of the things that I'm saying right now is, is things that I've been hearing mm -hmm. over the course of the last two weeks. And, you know, I have to give heave to the people who I serve every day. So I have to take notice to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, but those are the types of things that they're saying. And I think for a lot of them, they feel like, I, I feel like a lot of the energy left out of the room once they found out about the, the new job, uh, you know, and what's going on out there in the Broward County. Um, so I think it's going to be a it's going to be it's going to be a tiring time for us to figure out where do we go from here uh, after this situation happens. Do, are we going to be able to work through it? I think we will. Will it be an ideal situation for either side? I, I Honestly, I don't know. Because, you know, a lot of this stuff is about leverage too, right? It's like, what do you put yourself in terms of leveraging the contract? Or what do you put yourself in in terms of the school district? Where do you want to see yourself go? You know, we set our clear goals with key performance indicators when he came on, when we came up with a strategic plan. You know, when you bring somebody else in, they bring in a whole nother plan. So that's what I'm saying when I say, you know, from a board member standpoint, a board president standpoint, it could set us back. It could set us back in terms of progression. Um, but I also understand that, you know, that you serve people, and the people you serve are the ones that have a voice. And what they say, it does matter. And I take that into serious, serious consideration. What's the current budget 
Uh, I know you're working on mm -hmm. the budget for the new fiscal year, but what's the current budget of the East Um, Just the general fund budget is close to $600 million. When you encompass, yeah, yeah. when you encompass the special revenue budget, mm -hmm. um, that's about another $140, $150 million. When you add in tax plan dollars, because that's a whole other pot of money, right, mm -hmm. from the tax plan, that's mm -hmm. about what? Oof. Uh, $400 million that we have set aside for that. You know, we also, we also our own insurance carrier, too, so we actually hold policies for people who leave, uh, things of that nature. So when you encompass all of the money that we receive inside of our accounts as a school system as a whole, mm -hmm. um, we're close to about a billion dollars as a school system. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're comfortable with the fact that uh, with that amount of money uh, and the projects that you have uh, in place, both personnel-wise mm -hmm. and facilities-wise, that uh, these Baptist Parish school system can move from this situation and be successful going forward. Absolutely, but I will be honest with you, though, Pastor. Uh, we have to make some really, really tough decisions. One of which is going to be school consolidations. Right now, we're still operating schools like Zachary Central and Baker is still part of our school district, and in fact, they aren't. Uh, I think other neighboring districts, one of which Jefferson Parish, which is the largest school district in the state of Louisiana, they have mm -hmm. about 65,000 kids. They're already moving in a direction to start downsizing what schools look like and start doing consolidations. One, because it does two things for you. Right now, we have a teacher shortage. By mm -hmm. consolidating, it allows us to put more teachers inside of the buildings that are serving kids. Uh, two, we, are under, we have a, a utilization rate of some of our schools are under 50%. So let's say you have a school that could house 10, could house 1,000 students, but you only have about 200 kids attending that school. Well, mm -hmm. the bills don't change at that school. The amount of money you're paying your staff doesn't change at that school, so you're still footing that bill. But just literally two miles down the road, you have another school with another similar problem, which it makes more sense for us to try to condense or uh, consolidate those schools. What I always tell people is it can be done, and it can be done in an effective and efficient manner. My district, which is District 2, or the northernmost portion of the parish, I've done more school consolidations than anybody in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, it was So far, we have the six schools that we've consolidated to make three. And it has been so much better for those schools. Uh, it's Claiborne Elementary uh, merging with Howard Park, um, or uh, Brownsville merging with White Hills, uh, North, uh, North Banks merging with Glen Oaks High School. It just put us in a better place than we were before. Now, what I will say is, is that we have to be careful about the way that we combine in schools and just be mindful of the uh, population of students that we're fixing and putting this out of schools together. Because mm -hmm. obviously you see a lot of the things that's happening in terms of violence around our community. And that's going to be another situation we have to talk to with our budget too, is school safety, right? Uh, but I think we have to get to a place where we don't hold on to our school so much like it's so strong, like it's a legacy, right? Mm -hmm. And we have an influx of elementary schools that I think that could be consolidated and help us on the money end if we do it the right way. We could save about $5 million and still be able to service our students in a better way. So uh, let me ask a different question. Mm -hmm. it, it came to my mind as you were speaking about consolidation. What happens to the facilities uh, as you transition from two schools to mm -hmm. one? That There's a school facility that's going to be left vacant. Mm -hmm. What happens to that facility? Well, I think in the past we haven't done a good job of understanding what our uh, facility-based assets are. And that's what I'm pushing for now. That's what our board is pushing for now to understand what are our facilities-based assets? How many schools do we have? What schools, what shapes are they in? And are we in a place where we can either lease those buildings or can we sell those buildings off to bring that that investment back into our school district? Uh -huh. That's the place that we're, kind of, that we're currently in right now is to see, is there are there community partners that be willing to come in and help 
um, buy these dilapidated buildings from us and reutilize them or repurpose them in a way that mm-hmm. one is going to help the community mm-hmm. and then two is going to also bring an investment back to our school system. Mm-hmm. That's the conversation right now. And if you were successful in uh, developing lease arrangements or mm-hmm. purchase arrangements for those schools, uh, would the school system uh, consider helping in the transition costs of such facilities? Yes, because I think so. pe- Because people who buy these buildings, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just speaking from, from, from a church standpoint, uh, I, I can name half a dozen churches that mm-hmm. I think would be very interested in, in purchasing or leasing mm-hmm. uh, school facilities. But I know that black churches... Mm-hmm don't have a bottomless pit of financial resources. Right. So there would have to be some kind of arrangement that would be made that would mm. Uh, mm. Uh, be advantageous for a church congregation making mm. such an investment. Uh, do you think the school system might be interested in doing something like that? Absolutely. I think with every CEA is going to look, you know, uh, significantly different, uh, obviously because, you know, because the churches are in a unique space in terms of tax taxing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that they would be assessed the same way as, if, say, a Fortune 500 company comes in and wants to lease a school building or they want to buy a school building. That's a totally different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also the community investment, of which a lot of our churches have given back to our, our, our city and our parish, I think that that's, uh, that gives room for us to uh, see a situation where they can come into a building and then we are able to help them out. Like, for instance, if you lease the building from our school system, obviously uh, grounds have to still be upkept. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that the school district itself would take care of uh, or could take on and continue to do on behalf of our community uh, to also offset some of that cost. I think the overall thing is going to be, can you, one, afford the insurance on a building mm-hmm. uh, that comes along with it? But if you're leasing it, that wouldn't be something that you would cover anyway. Mm-hmm. But just being able to cover your month-to-month things like your utilities and things like that, mm-hmm. I think that there is enough energy for us to say, we can help out where we can help out at as long as you can handle the bottom line stuff like it, making sure that you pay the lease and things like that. But I, I foresee that being a strong possibility, absolutely. I've had conversations with... Uh, teachers and uh, principals Mm. over the last couple of months and uh, in fairness to the superintendent who I have never had a problem with I've uh, I've always had a good relationship with him Uh, there's some people uh, who think that this might be a chance at a restart Mm -hmm. for the school system Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're there is enthusiasm about the idea of having the chance at that restart. Mm-hmm. Is that the same sense that you have in talking to people? Yeah, you know, but you're going to hear different perspectives from what you hear from people. But I think that if it is a situation where he doesn't leave, I think that could be a situation where it could be a good restart for him. But I think people want to know that there's a commitment to be here, right? A commitment to be here means that your family is here. It means that you buy a home here because those are long-term investments. You don't mm-hmm. just, you know, when you buy a home, that's somebody you, where you want to be, right? Especially mm-hmm. because it's, you know, significant investment. So I think there's just certain things that people want to see to let them know that, you know, give them reassurance that uh, there's a commitment to really want to move the needle here. What I can honestly say is this. He's brought a lot of attention to East Baton Rouge Parish that we have not seen before. You know, uh, that's about the most political, diplomatic Mm -hmm. statement. But it is is true. It is true. You know, I've never... He's brought a lot of attention. Yeah. Yes, but I'm going to tell you the reason why I say that, Pastor, because never before under any other superintendent have we been able to bring in... uh, 
the top superintendent in the country, which was uh, Dr. Cardona. That's the U.S. Secretary of Education. Mm -hmm. He came to our district. He walked our schools. He came to Glen Oaks, right? He saw what happened with, uh, you know, a Pathways to Bright Futures program, mm -hmm. which is pushing students into workforce development to find their path where they choose what pathway they want to go down rather than the school district saying, no, you should do this. And when he came here, he said that this needs to be the model used around the country. So things like that always resonate with me because we've just, it's been a hard time of finding uh, people that could attract people like that to come to, you know, a town like Baton Rouge and say, man, you're doing good work here. Uh, the downside to that is, though, is you started something, so you got to finish it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that people are going to always hinge on with this particular situation is you started something, uh, but are you going to be able to finish it? Or are you going to finish it? You know, that's like that's always kind of hung over people's head is, you know, you can get, you know, get in good in a place, but then how long do you really want to, how long do you really want to see yourself being there? Let me ask a couple of questions that have nothing to do with the school. Mm -hmm. so Go ahead. Put on your 100 hat. Yep. <laughs> how, how, how's 100 black men of, uh, of, uh, Baton Rouge doing? Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal is what I can say. Uh, we we have uh, just... Just finished a, a mentoring program uh, mm -hmm. with, with some young people. I heard that uh, you all had some wonderful uh, results from that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, not only that, you know, and I'll go ahead and say this now, um, uh, but uh, our chapter has some significant major awards that are going to be coming out over the course of the next uh, two weeks uh, that we're going to announce to the public. And, and I think those are big things, right? Uh, and these are like national awards. Uh, since the time that I've been there, we're now partnered with the White House Initiative on Community Violence Intervention. So mm -hmm. uh, we've been trained in that space. We're working with Mayor Sharon Weston Broome, working with our local uh, uh, BR Police Department. You know, we're getting back into that space of uh, stop the violence uh, because I think that's what we need to be. That's what we're founded on. Um, so I think we, outside of that, though, what we do well and what we know we do well is we mentor young black youth. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are continuing to expand right now. Um, right now we have about 100 kids inside of our program. We want to try to expand that uh, to touch as many as 2,000 kids. Uh, we got a new program called Not From This House. And under this program, we're going to take on two, 200 first-time offenders from our juvenile court system as well as 19 uh, 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 DDC and work with our uh, local DA, Hillamore to not only insert them into this program, but also get them mental health evaluations, get them behavior evaluations, mm -hmm. um, get them on point to find them a job, a long-term job, not short-term, get them back in school, whether that means they're enrolling back inside of East Baton Rouge Parish Schools, getting a high set degree, or enrolling at uh, Baton Rouge Community College to either get their associate's degree or uh, to get them back on track to get a job. We are doing everything possible to make sure that our young people in the city are thriving and we can try to cut down on the violence uh, that we're seeing happening all across the board. Are you still teaching at Southern's Law School? Oh, no, I'm not. No, no, okay. sir. No, sir. I was, no, sir. I was gonna ask you a law school question, <laughs> but, but okay. Uh, one last thing, mm -hmm. book banning. Yep. Can't ban a gun, mm -hmm. but we can ban books. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Is that also, does that fall under the category mm -hmm of political uh, 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 theater. Yeah, uh, so I would say I, that hasn't come across my desk, you know, as a, as a president. Um, I'm not in the place where I'm going to tell somebody to ban a book. I don't think these these conversations are curtailed for schools. You know, these are more politically inflamed questions, and that's why I try to draw the line. You know, if we're not talking about how we are developing our students or how we are going to increase what we see happening in our schools, then mm -hmm. that's the kind of conversation I kind of stay away from because this is just, just so politically enthralled that they just try to get you to have those conversations. So another one is, uh, what was the one that came up recently? I was on Jim Inks' show, and uh, somebody asked a question about um, banning assault rifles, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like the same thing. These are 
politically inflamed questions that historically have received no movement, right? For me, I want to talk about how we keep our schools safe rather mm-hmm. than banning assault rifles, something that's mm-hmm. going to be an uphill battle anyway, right? That's for our elected officials in Washington, D.C. to talk about. When you talk to me, I'm talking about how do I keep my, my campus safe, what uh, adequate camera systems and making sure that we see who's coming and who's going at all times, mm-hmm. making sure that our campuses are locked down throughout the day to ensure that no intruder can just simply walk up on a campus, mm-hmm. making sure every campus has fencing uh, inside of communities that have been deemed uh, unsafe. Uh, because we know we have some zip codes where we have a lot of uh, uh, violence that are, that's occurring, and a lot of that stuff is being spurred off of our campuses. So that's the conversation I have whenever we talk about those things. You know, not something that's uh, politically inflamed because it's only going to add more fuel to the fire with me giving a uh, giving a uh, answer on something that is beyond what I can even do or beyond the purview of what a school member can do. What I can do is make schools safe, though. I hope it stays beyond your purview. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with you about. Uh, the book banning mm. thing. Uh, if Jeff Landry is successful mm. at becoming governor of the state of Louisiana, I fear that all of the things that we see happening mm-hmm. in Florida and in Texas are going to be happening here in Louisiana. And there's already a push in the state legislature mm-hmm. uh, to ban books. Mm-hmm. And while it's on a state level mm-hmm. now, if it makes it successfully through the state, it's going to be trickling down yep. into parish school systems now. Uh, I'll be out there with my trumpet, <laughs> so I can tell you that. So uh, you know, don't let the question guide you in, into thinking that that's my personal feelings. My personal feelings is that whatever I can do to protect kids, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been down to the legislature, bef- the legislature before, spoke on um, when they tried to put guns in the hands of teachers, and I spoke against it. Uh, I'll do the same thing when they try to come and talk about banning books, and I'll be a thorn in anybody's side when it comes to something like that because. Um, it just it doesn't really do any good. Again, it's just a political banter, and uh, some of that stuff you just got to get in front of and just let them know, like, no, this isn't about kids. This is about you. It's mm-hmm. about you um, building your national profile. I'm not gonna let you do it off the back of kids, not black kids anyway. I appreciate you taking the time to come share with us. Uh, <laughs> uh, for, for those who don't know, uh, yeah. it's been a very busy day for President Atlanta. It's been a lot, and uh, <laughs> uh, we didn't know whether or not we were gonna be able mm-hmm. to hook up. So I'm very glad that you were able to Absolutely. come through. Hope you come back again soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for viewing. We'll be back again next time.